Welcome to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's bonus episode is with one of the hardest working people that I know, the incomparable Sinead Harnett. This new episode is extra special because it's dropping on the release day of her stellar new album, Ready Is Always Too Late, an album that beautifully reflects Sinead's journey towards self-acceptance and self-love. Throughout the years, she's beautifully shared her stories with different shades of R&B, pop, and soul. And in doing so, she's shown that music can be moved forward. Her new album is a brilliant evolution of her sound and is once again a vessel for people to get right into their feelings. At this point, Sinead is like a sister to me. Seeing how she's grown as an artist has been such a beautiful privilege, and I'm excited for you to hear our chat. Together we delve into her boss moves, the importance of being honest with yourself, and we also go in depth about the songwriting for the new album. Once again, that album is called Ready Is Always Too Late, and you can stream it today. This episode is a perfect companion to the album, and I massively appreciate your time in checking out this podcast. Let's get into it, shall we? This is The New Exchange with Sinead Harnett. Enjoy. Oh man, I've been looking forward to this for a really long time. How are you getting on? I'm good. I feel like we always see each other at like a an important like pre or post moment that we're kind of like, I don't know, part of each other's growing journey, which is cute. Yeah, I feel that too. I think it's family. It's like a true kind of, because, you know, I think what's interesting about what you do and what I do is it's like this thing where our stories are always in tandem because of our professions, but I think it's beautiful that so much of your work is reflective of your life, and same for me. So, yeah, it's always a privilege getting to chat with you about the stuff you're doing. Yeah, same. I think the first time we met was New York. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you played SOBs, that was like our first proper meeting. Yeah, what a good memory. And you took some snaps and then we had a chat, and that was like the beginning of my American journey, because that was the first show I'd done, I think, in America. And then now it's been, so that must have been like three years ago? Yeah, roughly three years ago, which feels like 10 because of this bloody pandemic thing that we're in, right? Yeah, everything pre-pandemic <laughs> feels like like a decade ago. It really does. But that was such a beautiful show. And I think what really stuck out to me, and it's kind of carried over and like every time that I've seen you, is that there's just this confidence that you put out, especially on the stage, which is just so fucking badass. Like. Aww. Oh, thank you. I don't, well, I don't even know if I... It's interesting because when you're in your body, you don't, you don't think those things. You just kind of do them. Um, so it's interesting that that's what you felt when you've watched. Other New York show, you know, Warsaw. Yeah, I had a great time with that one as well. That was the last one. That was so... That's so funny. My first show, my first and last shows, you were there. But yeah. that was... Because that was like the last thing I did on the tour before I came home and did the London and then the pandemic. So that was the last time I performed in America. But I just remember, do you remember when the sound guy didn't turn the mic on? Uh, Like I came out and then started singing and there was no sounds after I'd done this grand entrance of dancing like some sort of vixen. And then it's just, he just killed my vibe, man. But do you know what's hilarious? I feel like, and this is one of the hilarious things about like, what goes on on stage versus like in the crowd. I feel like everyone in the crowd perceived it to be something dramatic. So 
Yeah, because it was like, because you, you like went into it, like the way you were kind of bopping about. So like the way you presented it felt intentional. Like it didn't seem super jar- jarring, but I know with, you know, musician friends in your head, you're probably like, fuck, fuck, what's going on? I did. And then he came out on stage <laughs> and just like stood in front of the mic and turned it on. And I just looked at him like, <laughs> like, dude. <laughs> you fucked up <laughs> but no it was it was still fun even though there was a lot of like sound issues that night but you know new york have a good time regardless they're a good uh, crowd i'm gonna ask you more about like that tour but uh before i go into that like we're going to be chatting all about ready is always too late and i'm so excited to chat with you about this because this body of work i mean i just got to listen to it and I think a big thing that I love about how you announced the album is that you shared a note where at the end you mentioned that you wanted it to be a soundtrack for people. And can you go into what that desire means for you? Because I feel like that's a very specific thing to want. Well, I think from doing that that tour and meeting a lot of, I don't even, I don't like to say fans because it sounds just weird, but like, yeah, people that came to the shows, meeting them, they, there was this common theme of like, oh, this music, like, helped me heal from this situation and so I feel like album one was a bit like slightly more somber in tone than this one and so music's been such an escape and a a a way of getting through what's going on because there's so many layers to what's going on it's not just the global aching and like monotony of having to stay locked up or whatever but it's also just all of the different areas that have been shone a light on that are essentially the problems with the world so I just thought that we all need we never we can never run out of things that we need to like help with the pain of it and I would love for this new album to do that for you know the people that already support me and then hopefully new people that discover um because we need some like light you know we do. And I think what your music always does a good job at is like providing light while also acknowledging just the little everyday things we're going through. Because even when you were saying that, it made me think immediately about like how, you know, most people's lives, they might follow the news or scroll through Twitter and they think about all these big problems. But like, I mean, God, this these lockdowns, they put so much strain on like relationships, even family relationships, friendships. I mean, oh, I'm sure so many people could relate to like, taking an hour or even six hours to text somebody back and then feeling guilty about it and these are things you don't really see discussed as much really yeah definitely i don't know it's weird isn't it because when you are indoors alone which a lot of people have been the motivation to do that like just even reply kind of goes a bit but then you also really want the connection so it's just like this weird vicious cycle um but i think a lot of relationships have been strengthened as well and like also made because I think the pandemic certainly for me it's been like a sieve and I've sort of like the things that don't matter and the people that aren't on the same wavelength have kind of come out a bit and at the bottom and then the sieve is just keeping everything that is on the same frequency which is a nice thing yeah I'd massively agree with that a big thing for me as well in that vein has been just like having the just the pure concept of time being like almost a near tangible thing where like over the course of the pandemic, so it's so just taxing and existing. If I find myself in a scenario or like um, a conversation or anything where I feel like my time is being wasted, I feel like 
the feeling is a lot more palpable than it was just like a couple years ago. Because maybe you put up with more and just like didn't realize that you actually didn't have, well, maybe you had more patience for it before, but now it's like, mm, if this isn't sitting right, then you're a bit, do you find it easier to like cut it out? I do. I also turned 30 last year, which I think might play a role in it, where it's just kind of like, yeah, 30 crew. <laughs> anyone who's listening, Aww. anyone who's listening who's like 21 is like, oh my God, that's so old. But <laughs> no, it's still young. No. <laughs> it's so funny, isn't it? Because you spend your 20s being like, no. And then when I turned 30, I was on my, where was I? Oh yeah. I was just like, thank God I got through the 20s. Yeah. One of the big things about this album that I got from is that, and it kind of feels reflective in that note that I mentioned, is that it feels like a big thing you want to do overall is to help others reach a place of like self-acceptance and self-love. And do you feel like in a way that's fair to say, like that as a general overview? Yeah, I think the first one, I was very, I was a lot more fragile, a lot less self-aware, and obviously a lot less... I just wasn't valuing myself properly and I wasn't understanding that I was worthy. Did I already say worthy? I don't know. Oh yeah, undervaluing and, and worth. But then with this one, it's like a bit more, there's more a self-assured tone to it and like that maintenance of the self-love and, and like solidifying that. And I really feel like when I did the tour and spoke to my fans about, you know, let's all be on a self-loving journey together. I'd like to think that when they hear this, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm in a better place and that we're all in it together. I love that you use the word maintenance there because it's interesting to hear you reflect on the first album because I remember when I experienced it, it felt very assured to me. But I think that's also the contrast between how a musician and a listener, like the relationship there where, I mean, I was going to bring this up later on. I mentioned it a little bit in the context of the show, but so many of your fans come up to you and your supporters, sorry and talk about how they use your music as a form of like, you know, bigging themselves up and getting through things. And I mean, just in a general, like kind of way, how does that make you feel knowing that? Because it must be trippy when you're on a journey of trying to feel better about yourself. And then people are telling you that you're the reason they're even able to do that. Yeah, it's just like bundles of gratitude. And you know, like, sometimes you don't really know where you're going until you arrive. Completely. Like, yeah, I used to always ask myself questions like, oh, like, but who am I? And like, what do I represent as an artist? And what will my thing be? And I remember people asking, no, people saying that if you can answer that question on the back of a stamp, like that small, then you, you, then you know. And I would always think, oh, well, what would be at the back of my stamp? Mm. And then so after meeting fans and obviously seeing what they say on comments and whatever it made me realize that I've become or like my message is the same reason that I turned to music in the first place which was like to heal and to to cure loneliness I guess yeah I was like feeling very deep feelings of that when I from really young so yeah it, it's just makes me feel really grateful how special is that because I mean that must be a rare thing when people can think about the thing that they're doing as reflective of why they got into it in the first place. Because the way you describe that too, I love how, you know, that element of like being able to describe yourself in the back of a stamp. Because 
I think a lot of people would wish they could do that with their projects and things like that, you know? I think it's a really good, like, little way of working out what a brand is, whether that brand is, you know, a musician or a, um, I don't know, a clothing thing or like a Save the Earth brand. Like, how would you describe what its message is in, in like, as few words as possible? Yeah, completely. So, you know, launching off of that Warsaw show that I last saw you at, I mean, obviously being a musician is your career. It's what you've always wanted to do. And you definitely knew that you were going to make another album. But when you think about, you know, where you were creatively, how did you feel coming off that tour? Like when you thought about the eventual work you were going to do for that second album, like where was your headspace at? So I got back in November, I think, and then, or early December, and then I knew that I had my London show coming up, which is the biggest one that I've ever done. So I, I was kind of like getting ready for that, like preparing, and there was a lot on my shoulders for that because I was like, I got like my friends are dancers and they did a little section and I, I was sorting out the styling and all of that, and it was just like, whoa. Then I did that show and then it was basically Christmas. And I just thought, what do I want to at the end of the year I feel like it's really good to figure out what do you want what are your intentions for next year and like what do you want to change and what do you want to maintain and I just I made a lot of changes so um by January I was like walking around in LA like trying to find new people to add to my team like literally strutting around on my own being like hello I'm Sinead this is what I want to do with my career do you think that you can add to that and I also got out of a relationship that wasn't, um, wasn't, just wasn't right, I guess. And I decided after the American trip that I was going to move to America because, you know, the appetite for R&B and soul is so big and I just thought I need a change. Yeah. So from, from making those decisions, I then started doing what we were talking about earlier, which is valuing myself. I don't think you can truly look after yourself if you don't have healthy boundaries and like me making those decisions meant that I was now implementing boundaries so anyway long answer to your question I made those changes and then I was in this like new headspace that meant that making the new album which really it was very quick it was almost like I was like okay I'm done with this so <laughs> what's next and I felt like there was so much more to say I think yeah I just knew I was going to do another album and then I ended up finishing it in LA and then um this pandemic thing was going on as well so it was like I don't know I just I think I also learned the power of just being yourself because now the only way to spread the music was through social media so yeah I think I've answered your question like eight different ways but <laughs> that's that's what was going through in my head and what happened after no need to apologize for that. That's one of the beautiful things about a podcast. You could just, you know, you can go anywhere. You could go anywhere. And I love that. Like, no, that, that I loved everything you said. And honestly, like what really hit home to me is like the way you describe being in LA and just kind of like, you know, building upon your career. Like it, it's like taking ownership of your art, yourself, your intentions. And, you know, this has come up uh, a lot on this season with like different guests that I've had on, but in an interesting way, I almost feel like it's more important for women to find themselves in places where they could do that. Because in a weird way, in Western society, we don't really teach women to take ownership of their lives and their careers. So the fact you're in a position where you're doing that, like just being like a fucking badass boss is awesome. Oh, thank you. 
I feel the same about you, but that you're just a badass dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, did you in did you create a new podcast? Because you obviously used to be called the Four Hundred Five. Yeah. So the the previous series was part of like the Four Hundred Five magazine, and that shuttered like around that tail end of twenty nineteen. Like um, the guy who ran it has like a family, so he just didn't want to. keep doing it so I knew going into 2020 I was gonna like do it independently like relaunch but then it was like a thing of like how is the original intention was to like pitch it to a bunch of different magazines and then when the pandemic started I was working on the first season and almost all the editors I was gonna talk to got like laid off and got sucked so like I was like yeah I had like all these meetings planned and then I was like well I can either wait for months to go by where new people get hired and have to like reintroduce myself or I could just do it myself and it's honestly been like so fulfilling it was scary at first but I mean just from my experience of like touring and knowing so many people there's so many people who wanted to be on so and it's done really well like this is like the second season already working on the third and the fourth and I mean I'm so happy to have you on like when I, once I saw that you announced the project I mean I was like there's no way I'm not gonna have her on like it has to happen oh yeah it's like we have to do this like at least once a year because it's just our thing now where we meet up and and catch up on life but yeah congratulations because it can feel scary change in general but actually the rewards are even better now that you're on your own and like that's the thing about comfort zones isn't it when everything else improves you're like oh thank thank goodness I just took the leap yeah exactly and uh, you know, I was going to mention this earlier on when I hit the recorder, but I knew you were, like, in L.A. for a bit, like, earlier on the year, because I remember, like, you posted on social media, and I'm sure I speak for everyone who's listening, but very jealous. <laughs> Aww. It must have been amazing. Yeah, I'm going to, I need to get back there ASAP. It was, it, I, I definitely felt lucky because London has been really strict and really locked down um, for most of the time that I've been away. It's like, it's very push-pull because the beauty of being there is you you just focus on music. Getting to just put my energy into one thing was, I think, the thing that I'd always needed to do. Completely. But then you're away from the people that you do it for. So it's just such a... Yeah. Of course you do it for your own dreams and stuff, but what does any of this mean if you don't have anyone to share it with? And, like, when I... Every time I think about them and, like, We've got babies in the family now. I'm an auntie to like three, sort of four, because my cousin had one as well. And like, it's just that push-pull, isn't it? And now that I'm home and I've visited everyone, it's like very exhausting because it's still the same workload, but you're with them. But then now you can't, now I'm not with my team. So it's just very, I think it's going to be a back and forth life if if these rules will allow that to happen. Um but yeah, I felt very blessed and very grateful because the sun was shining most days yeah. in LA. I think with what you said at the end there, I think so many people can relate, like regardless of their professions, which is the beautiful thing about that I think about doing talks like this, especially with musicians, where I think a lot of people tend to look at musicians and put them on a pedestal almost, you know, instinctively. But then you hear a musician talk and you're like, well, actually, that's very similar to like my life. And I was in London myself as well back in... Uh, Christmas of last year to like see family and that and like because of the restrictions I didn't see anyone and it was like one of the weirdest experiences in my life like I saw family but it was and my girlfriend's family but like in terms of like going out and you just couldn't do it and 
it even feel like I had left New York, really. It was really weird. I know. And it was as cold and, like, New York has had a blizzard and it's just... Oh, uh, yeah. When there's no sun, you actually just can't do anything. No. Nope. Like, <laughs> you can make little games at home and stuff, but that sunshine is just... It motivates you. And for the West Coasters, like, they can go to the beach. They can, like, walk... Even just sit and, like sit down on grass for a little bit if they're allowed like so yeah I can imagine that must have been a weird like visit for you oh it was completely weird and I mean I've heard people say this a lot about LA in contrast to like not just London but the UK as a whole but it's like LA is probably as opposite as you can get from the UK and that led me to wonder like for you particularly how do you feel like the pandemic affected like your songwriting like do you think it had any effect at all um, well, all of the collaborations on the upcoming album, obviously there's two that have come out already, one with Masego and Van Jess and then one with Johnny Venus of Earth Gang. They were, and, and the one with Lucky Day, which isn't out, they were all done remotely. So I didn't even meet any of them. Um, and again, when we were saying about like on the bright side, the good thing about the pandemic acting like a sieve and like getting rid of the stuff that doesn't matter. In a weird way, it was, it just streamlined who do you actually vibe with? Who have you connected with organically? And if you both have the same intentions for the song, you can do it not in the same room. So it was very, it was interesting. And it was, it was like, it showed me that you can achieve so much without actually being in the same room. In terms of writing, I don't think my method really has changed, but when I, I did this song called Quarantine Queen before I made the album and that was just literally me being like, okay, I'm going to die alone in this flat. The world <laughs> is ending. Um, so for the first time I wrote something from like my living room and did everything in the living room and like recorded myself. And so I think maybe it just made me feel a bit more like I could do more than I, than I realised. Because even the va- the production value of that Quarantine Queen song, like, it didn't sound like a very... It isn't like a typical home recording. Like, I wouldn't have put that together if you didn't say that. So that's kind of nice. Ah. Yeah, no, it was, it was good to know that I could still do some stuff without, like, without the normal methods that I was using before. I uh, love Take Me Away. Like, I'm a big Earth Gang fan. And, like, that song is just, like... I mean, God, Johnny Venus is, like, an incomparable talent, and I feel like that's such a strong tune. And you guys also did a video for it, which was really sick. I mean, what was it like connecting with him? Because he strikes me as the type of person that, regardless of who he's talking to, is going to try to connect with them on an artistic level. Yeah, so we started speaking on good old IG, and um, <laughs> he was he was really into a live performance that I'd done, and he was just like, I can't stop watching it. And then I said, I just sung some of his lyrics back to him. <laughs> um, and, and then we started like a little voice memo trail and he sent me something to vocal and I tried it out and then I was like, oh, I've got something I'd love you to have a go at. So he wrote, I sent him two things and he wrote his verses to take me away really quickly. And then I was like, do you know what? After like some reflection, I was like, this is definitely a single and I'm going to be in LA. So should we shoot a video? So he flew in from Atlanta. And we already felt like we knew each other because obviously the voice memo checking in on, that's the great thing about the internet. You know, it's got its bad points too, but 
we already felt like we were friends. And then when we met, we went on a hike and we did the video and it was lovely. And he's such a rare, beautiful soul. Yeah. Like everything I've seen about him, he seems like just a very pure artist in the sense that like when you see how he is, it's like the only thing he could be as an artist, like in a respectful manner. It's like, it's like, thank God he found music. Cause it's like, that's exactly what you need to be doing. Yeah. And he only started singing recently, like in the last couple of years, he, he said to me, he was like, oh yeah, I was just started singing, like just trying it out. Maybe it wasn't the last, maybe it's longer than that, but he, he fell into it. He wasn't like, oh, I'm a singer. And then I was like, that's so boo. Where did that come from? You didn't even try. God um, damn. <laughs> yeah, I, he's just, I love him so much. He's like a spiritual, very in tune, relaxed person. Like if ever I was stressed about every, anything, even the way he talks, he's like, poor then, so good. Like he's so calm. He should be a therapist. I mean, I guess he is being a musician. <laughs> As are you. And like, you know, in that context, because a big thing I wanted to bring up when anyone was going to talk to you was um, Last Love. Because when I first heard it, I mean, God, I just, it felt like such a big step forward for you sonically. And like earlier, we we're talking about that independence of you being in LA. And I feel like that song conveys that. And it's also in a very candid way within the lyrics, which I think is really interesting. So what was it like crafting the song? Because I imagine it must have been quite an introspective journey for you making that one, right? Yeah, I wrote it with someone that I've written with before, um, producer-wise, J.D. Reed. He's on um, both of my, like, my mixtape and my album. On the album, he did Lessons, and on the mixtape, he did Love to Lose. And we did another co- a song called System and Don't Waste My Time. And I can't believe I just remember that. Anyway, <laughs> and he, he's like... He's someone that he'll have a beat and I'll be like, nah, bruv, I can't do anything on that. What do you mean? And then he'll be like, no, trust me, I'm going to, you're going to find the pocket. And then I just sat there and I was like, you know, when like, you just, you're fine and you're over them, but they're the last person that you loved. So you'll never forget until you love again, you're always going to think of them. And then he was like, yeah, I feel you. (laughs) And then, and then I just started writing it and I really wanted to not sound do you remember like the first interview we did and you were saying like that the word you was in a lot of my titles or like a lot of the lyrics I do I'm, I love that you remember that because yeah I remember like that was a big thing yeah I remember you asking and, and actually this is going crazy the um background um, <laughs> and, and me being like oh my gosh he's so you know certain things that stick with you I even thought to myself that's such a good point like I need to challenge myself to try other, like, try writing to other people or, like, not to someone. Quarantine Queen is a bit more, like, insular and more to myself. But anyway, I just thought, like, I don't want to be, like, defeated in this song. I want to be strong but still admitting that, like, oh, but that gets in the way sometimes. So it's interesting because I knew that you felt like it was a sonic jump and... For me, I just love like the contrast of the booming drums with like the slightly more vulnerable words, but then also the more strong tone from me. So it definitely was a challenge because I remember saying, I don't know how I'm going to write over these chords. Uh, But then we just got there in the end because he's very good at pushing me when I'm like, no, I can't do it. 
It's funny you mentioned the thing about the word you, because I, my favorite lyric on the song kind of ha- has that word, but I feel like it still describes what you're talking about in that, you know, beyond that. Like, the, that lyric is, um, I haven't even missed you today, because the way you sing it, ooh, it sounds like, it sounds so pointed. Like, it just sounds like anyone who listens to the song knows, like, what you're talking about, and it kind of transcends you. And it's a bit like... um slightly tongue-in-cheek a little bit like who you trying to kid bruv because (laughs) why if you haven't then why are you saying why are you even thinking of them and i'll also mention this is another song that has an incredible video that people should check out like god it looked like it was so much fun to make it oh it was i was wearing a thonged bodysuit um (laughs) (laughs) whilst running repeatedly sprinting i literally like my thighs hurt so much the next day Um, (laughs) it was really fun it was so fun to get more involved like with the with the direction and um ricky um who's ricky rose on instagram um he came round and he was he had his head in his hands in my little shoebox flat in la and he was like oh it's just not making sense yet and i was like trust me we need, I need to be on a running track. Like this song talks about a marathon. I was like, I know that we don't want to be too literal, but I, I just, I could see it. And you know, when you just got to go with your gut. Yeah. And then he was like, okay, but then we need to, like, how are we going to make the, like, cause the red bit when I'm with the two girls, that's like, I've fallen over in the race. And then that's me falling into my heart, into the truth thing you've been trying to push away. And so, yeah, everything had its purpose and its meaning, but what was great is that Ricky was very adamant that everything had to connect. And like, if this doesn't make sense, then it's not being in the video. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's amazing. Like, and you know, while you were saying that it hit me that just in the context of like R and B and like how you were saying how, you know, you feel like here in the States, there's like this big appreciation for it. It's also refreshing seeing like an R and B song conveyed with so much color and vibrance where I feel like it's almost like a lot of people's go to to like, present things in a very dour almost drab way but that's never really been you yeah I think if I'm if I'm completely honest like being being as I said before like I could I've never been able to be a bird's eye because I'm in me so when I look at the journey I can see how I really started from nothing and I feel like you can see that like you can see oh like this is a kind of fragile girl and I don't know, maybe because I'm me, I can see where I just didn't have any confidence in the beginning and I I didn't really trust in myself and stuff. And then now I feel like you have to, when it all fits together, like how does it look? How does it sound? What's the sonics like? How much work has gone into the production? How's it been mixed? You know, how much support does this artist have? Because um, I've got a friend that used to always say to me, you're nothing without a team. That was really what that trip was about. Me me strutting around on my own for the first time, even having enough balls to say, this is what I want for my career. So, you know, if you think you can <laughs> you can come and jump on it, then great. Like, I never had those balls before. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that you like it. And I can't remember what you actually said because I go on so many tangents. But hey, that's <laughs> life. Exactly. And I would just like to say that I think what's so beautiful about how you put that at the end there is like, you know, I think sometimes people who aren't involved in the music industry hear the word team and it's like confusing, but 
I would just like to add as someone who's like been within it with like, you know, bands and solo artists and even like duos and things like that. There's no, I feel confident in saying that there's no artist that anybody likes where a team wasn't involved in to some capacity. Like, like I would be hard pressed to think of any artist that's like someone's go-to where there wasn't so much behind them as well. Like, Yeah, definitely. And that, it all, it all kind of loops in because how do you get the team or how do you believe that you deserve it? You have to value yourself. And as I was saying, you know, when I, there were people that I'd meet on the tour, you know, there was a mother, sorry, a, a father and a daughter. And he was like, you know, we, we weren't seeing eye to eye. We weren't really talking, but we both fell in love with this album and like, we're really close now and we're at this show together. This is our second show of your tour we're at. And I just thought, oh. Oh, like, if we're, I don't know, whatever method that there is, if we can strengthen, like, our relationships with ourselves and with others, then we're doing something right. I mean, the value in an experience like that, like, just that alone, it's so undescribable. And it's like, you, there's no quantitative uh, value you could put on something like that. That transcends any metric the fact that an experience like that happened. Yeah, definitely. And so I think like once you value yourself, you you start to you start to feel better, so you start to go for better for yourself and like I don't know, I look back and I think I'm really I'm really happy and really grateful, but I just it it really scares me if I hadn't learned how to do that because it's just this constant uphill mountain with like massive rocks just constantly falling down the mountain (laughs) onto your head until you're like nah I deserve better and I'm gonna get I'm gonna make a better life for myself and hopefully for the people around me exactly like why else are we here right before we go I'd uh, love for you to tell me about a song that you're most excited about people hearing with this album and why and I should also mention that this well this episode will be released on the release day (gasps) so people can listen to this you can mention the song and then they could go listen to the song immediately, which is pretty awesome. Oh, um, it's so funny. I call you your Instagram name, by the way. <laughs> Do you? But it's like, yeah, but I could just call you Ken if I wanted. <laughs> um, right, I'm going to look at the... The thing is, it's very mean of you to ask me this because <laughs> I, can't pick, I can't pick out of my children. <laughs> so what I'll, what I'll do is I will... Just say what's on my mind right now, okay? Okay. What I'm excited for my audience to hear is like this. And the reason I present this song to you, Ken, is because I feel like in this song, normally, like, it was very easy for me to fall into the, like, putting a guy on a pedestal thing. And in this song, I'm like, you feel lucky you have this. (laughs) <laughs> and I've never really said that sort of thing. And I've never been like, yeah, you you happy you got all this? Like, normally there's a problem or there's like, oh, how can, like, oh, you know, if you let me, how can, will you just let me love you and stuff? But this is like, bitch, you better love me right. <laughs> you know? So I'm going to go with that one. And I feel like it's, you know, there's some real trumpets going on in there, real brass goodness, nice little sassy beat. That yeah. is a damn fine tune. And I, like... 
for people listening. I hope they take that song and take the take it with them throughout the rest of the day. Shanae, thanks so much. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like this is this was as awesome as I thought it was gonna be. I'm so glad we got to catch up. Like, yeah, ditto. I I really honestly feel like proud of us. I do too. I mean, to be like you know to have gone through this whole pandemic thing and to still have you know our visions intact of what we want to put into the world. I mean, that was a big thing with me going through you know the first couple of months of the pandemic and being like, you know, confused about, you know, just the world. It was very much like me going like, what do I want to actually put into the world? And like sharing yeah. stories like yours, that's really important to me. Like, Yeah. And also like where we were when we first met those three years ago in that dingy dressing room, but we love SOBs by the way. Oh, beautiful. Place. To like now, now we've like trusted in ourselves and our journeys enough to be like, you're going it alone. You know, you're doing this because really like you're the thing that you, it's your personality and it's your heart that people are listening, you know? So it doesn't matter whether you were doing it for a magazine or not. And then you took the leap. Similarly, I took the leap. I was like, nah, they're not just going to have one album. I'm going to give them another one very soon. (laughs) So yeah, so well done us. And I look forward to next time we speak, let's make some affirmations, please. When we next speak, I want to be Grammy nominated. You? Ooh, Grammy nominated. Okay. That I mean, I could definitely see that coming for you. Okay, for me, affirmations. Okay, next time we speak, I would um I would love this to be the only thing that I'm doing in life in general. And uh yes. I would love to talk to people that I definitely don't think I have any chance of talking to. Like a big one, Damon Auburn. He's like a hero of mine. If I could talk to Damon... Ah, legend. Yeah, if I could have talked to Damon Auburn by the next time I talk to you, then that would be super huge. I feel like we can make this happen. I don't feel like he talks to many, but let's let's make these things happen. And also, I've really learned a lot about, like, how we say things to ourselves. So, like, oh, I don't think I'd ever get this. Like, come on, start believing you will. Yeah, because, I mean... Yeah, exactly. Because I could say, for as difficult as it might be to talk to him, I know he would have an amazing time talking to me. So the work is on me. Woo! You better! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to The New Exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening.